Welcome to This Week in Lotus. The weekly roundtable discussion of all things social, collaboration, technology and community. Here's your host, Stuart McIntyre. Welcome to This Week in Lotus, Episode 3, for Friday, 11th June 2010, Duke versus Duke. This Week in Lotus is sponsored by Moo.com. For business cards that really make you stand out, you need Moo. For more information to get your 10% discount, go to thisweekinlotus.com slash Moo. Hello and welcome to This Week in Lotus. Here we are, episode three of our new podcast. Um, and once again, we have with me my um, co-host, Darren Duke. Hi there, Darren. Good morning, Stuart. How are you? I am really good, thank you. It's afternoon here, of course. Good Good Friday afternoon. Always good to get towards the end of the week. How's your week been? I don't think my week ever finishes. I think Sunday is just a new Monday. I think that's the fear, isn't it? Is you just end up working seven days. But uh, <laughs> th- this week we have the World Cup starting tonight, so that's what I'm looking forward to getting to. Yeah, do you know what time the kickoff is on the first game? I don't. I should know. I think it's evening time here, so I guess it's sort of afternoon time where you are. Okay. Cool. And with us today on the podcast, we have um, somebody else that Darren knows very, very well. Uh, it's Lisa Duke. Hi there, Lisa. Hello. How are you, Stuart? I am excellent, thank you. It's great to have you on the podcast. Good to have a female voice on the call for the first time. Absolutely. And hopefully we'll have a couple more nerd girls uh, in the future. Yeah, we definitely have that planned. And uh, we've got a, just a small group of us this week. We've got lots of people out working hard on, on projects, uh, some people who couldn't make it at the last minute. So um, just a small and select group, but hopefully we can still make it through the news and, and discuss things in quite a lot of detail. So um, it's been a busy week, hasn't it, Darren? There's lots been lots of news, lots of stuff coming through Planet Lotus. There, there has. There's been a, a couple of big, big things this week. Uh, you know, the, we're going to talk about the, the Radicati report that, that I think you first blogged on, Stuart. Um, and then also the the latest episode of, of Jake's Howlett, Jake Howlett's uh, move to, to SharePoint, I think is going to get a lot of talk about this morning. And then also there was a new release of Symphony, which again, I think uh, you and John Head had kind of talked about. Absolutely, yeah. So we'll run through those in, in a little bit of order. So let's crack on with the first one you mentioned, which is Radicati. Now, there's obviously some background here. Uh, the new story is they published a, a report this week that um, that gives some very generous numbers in terms of how they see the notes and domino market going, um, climbing to 192 uh, million seats um, by the end of next year and then to 266 million by the end of 2014, which, if it happens, is going to be tremendous for... But, you know, for all of us that are in this market, um, that's been really great. But um, it, uh, any surprise at those numbers, Darren and, and, and Lisa? Have, have you got a feel for whether they, they've come from something concrete or have they just come out of the analyst's uh, head You know, on the day you wrote the report? No, a- a- analyst starts with the word anal. That's where it came out of. It came out of someone's backside. <laughs> um, it, 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 it's shocking. I mean... It, I usually discount these reports no matter who writes them. This one I'll probably cite more than others because it does make my dog in this fight look better than the other dog in this fight. Uh, But the long and the short of it is, you know, I I think on any given decade, 
it's probably 35 to 45% either Domino, Exchange, and the rest is just whatever you're on, be it Google Docs, Pop Free, whatever. Now, I would love to see 8% year-on-year growth, and I'm pretty sure IBM would be stoked at 8% year-on-year growth. One of the things I did find amusing, I think Lisa's going to touch on this, is, is apparently hosted is not going to change the percentages really at all if you look at the executive summary. Um, and I'll kind of let Lisa talk about that because I know she'd been talking to, to, to a couple of guys at STS about that over the last week. So, so Lisa, what, what's your thinking on that? Um, well, a couple of things. First off, um, we talked a little bit in the prep about um, Radicati having a anti-IBM stance in the past. And it is possible that there's something out there that I've missed. But in going back and looking at what they said in the past, probably the thing that comes up most on Google and got the most heat in the Lotus community was in 2004 when Radicati said, workplace is a bad idea and it's going to hurt Lotus and play in Microsoft's favor. And the community said, oh, no, IBM are geniuses. It's going to be fine. And you know what? They were right. So obviously, <laughs> they have a time machine, and they have gone forward in time to 2014, and they're just reporting on us on the inevitable um, wins that we're going to be having over the next couple of years. And I'm very excited because if things go as well as they are predicting, I'll actually be able to afford to buy the whole report in a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> it was about three thousand dollars, isn't it? Which is the reason why I haven't bought it to to get to the bottom of what they're saying. I mean, all we all we've seen so far is executive summary from the report, isn't it? And just just picking out some things from that, it, it says that the the report is uh, based on primary research conducted by the Radicati Group. They've talked to vendors and users from global corporations. They've analysed, um, you know, the Lotus Domino platform and Lotus Notes, both in um, on-premise and hosted email and collaboration markets. So, interestingly, they don't mention cloud anywhere in this today. It's just hosted and on-premise. So, assume from that they mean both Lotus Notes and Lotus Live Notes, but no mention of Lotus Live iNotes, one would assume. Uh, well... You know, Lotus Live iNotes is not really notes. That's the rebadged, what was the company called? The vault? Outblaze. Yeah, Outblaze. Yes. So that's the crippleware, right? Um, not not really a group count or anything like that. So I, if, if I was doing the same report, I would probably discount Lotus Live iNotes as well. Okay. Well, and it may just be a summary too because Lotus Live hosted notes, Lotus Live iNotes, Lotus Live other notes. It's gotten a little confusing. So they may have just lumped it all together as quote-unquote hosted just for the sake of simplicity and going back to what Darren tried to set me up for a minute ago about the percentages if you look at the executive summary they're not saying that oh everything is going to the cloud and the percentages are really going to change they're just saying that the overall pie is going to grow which um, I think is very different from the way the IBM direct sellers see the market going. They're very excited about Lotus Live and moving everybody to the cloud. So I thought that was a very interesting um, prediction that the percentage of on-site versus hosted will stay about the same, but the overall pie is growing. Yeah, so just to quote that then, so it says, in 2010, Lotus Domino would have an install base of 192 million mailboxes and expected to grow to 266 million by 2014. Annual growth rate of 8%, which I think we'd all be very happy with, particularly in this down economy. 
Um, and on-premise being 89% of the total Lotus Domino mailboxes worldwide, which again, as you say, you know, as you as you very um, accurately say, isn't a massive change. It's not like they're saying that we're going to have a swing to 50% hosted or something in that time. Going back to what you're saying about iNotes, that the, the biggest number we've had from the Outblaze acquisition and the growth that Lotus Live iNotes has had is 18 million. So that's not a, a huge amount in terms of talking about this 266 million that they're looking for it to go to. Well, and and, and the question there is: was, was is the 18 million was that original Outblaze accounts that were post or pre-conversion, or is that 18 million new Lotus Live iNodes post-conversion into the IBM world? And and I've not really seen a number on that. And maybe someone here has and can enlighten me. <laughs> I, I've had some discussions with people about it. I, I think a good number of that 18 million came from Outblaze. I, I don't have any accurate numbers on, on how much of it, but I think probably the majority came from Outblaze, and then there's been some growth since then. So, um, so, so that's where that number comes from. And I know they had a huge win that they were really highlighting at Lotusphere, which was Panasonic going to the cloud. So that was a bump up and a significant one after the acquisition. Beyond that, I, I haven't heard a whole lot, but it may just not be something that, that they're talking about at the moment. Was was the was the Panasonic was that Lotus Live Notes or was that Lotus Live iNotes? I'm not sure it was ever clearly stated. It's got some engage in there for sure. They're doing quite a lot of collaboration on the engage platform. But in terms of the email aspect, they're moving from a mixture of exchange and notes at Panasonic to something on Lotus Live. I don't know whether that's hosted notes or iNotes. Okay. So it's interesting. I think the, the other factor to play here is so many of these analyst reports um, you find out either because they're written in the report or because you find out later are sponsored by the vendor. You know, it's not difficult to find a, a report that Microsoft has, has sponsored, paid for, and then suddenly it comes out with very positive Microsoft numbers. <laughs> You know, these things happen, and IBM have done them too. But no. on this occasion, I you know, checked with, with Ed Brill, and very clearly IBM did not sponsor this report. So this has come, you know, from an independent source, in theory with no direct input from IBM. So it's very interesting. I mean, you just have to feel that if, if it goes as well as they say it's going to, then we're all heading for a bit of a boom period, aren't we? Well, and that's why I'm liking all of these partners leaving apparently in droves, because that means there's more business for me. <laughs> very true so that, that that brings us very nicely then on to the next big story really of the week which is that as you mentioned earlier on jake howler of um code store blog has blogged about some of the work he's been doing on sharepoint recently and i think put together quite a a, a very valid blog post if you like saying effectively that his obligation to both his own business and to his customers is to keep his customers happy to keep servicing them using whatever technology is right for them for him at the time so you know he's not going to nail his flag to the lotus banner if his customers move off of the lotus platform um and, and what was interesting from that um blog and again we'll put the the link to that in the show notes is the comments that came from other people following that so so what was your view uh, lisa have you read that one yeah, I have. And a, a couple of thoughts. There is something to be said for, you know what, I have my customers and I'm going to take care of them and do what makes sense for the strategy of their company. Fair enough. You know, like he says in the post, he's got to pay his bills. But the risk is coming into SharePoint at this time. SharePoint is not 
new. And there are a lot of partners and a lot of developers that at this point, if you're new to SharePoint, you've kind of missed the boat. And so I, if he now puts out a shingle and says, I'm Mr. SharePoint, he's really kind of late to the game. And I think that's going to be tough to build a good reputation as I'm Mr. SharePoint. So I don't know. I think, you know, certainly as an independent developer, as somebody that is trying to run your own business, you need to keep an eye on what's going on. You need to invest where it makes sense. But I don't think you want to rush into everything just because, ooh, that's where it looks like the business is this week, because then you become a very much a me too player. And it's not necessarily in the best interest of your client for them to go from having an expert with deep skills and deep expertise to having somebody that you kind of like who's going to practice on your dime, it's not the same skill level as what you were offering in the things that you focus on. So we as a company have, you know, we're always looking for things that are make sense as additional offerings where we can develop some expertise, but we wouldn't do something unless we feel like we know it better than anybody else out there. We wouldn't jump into something and say, yeah, we can probably figure it out and we'll bill you the same rate as the things that we're experts on. So it's not a fit for our strategy, but I get where he's coming from. And anybody that knows me and Lisa knows we disagree a lot. So I'm going to disagree with her on this one. Oh, go on then. <laughs> and I think that's the difference from, from, from having a business and being a, a, a technically, I guess, an independent contractor. The, 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 the long and the short of it is I have had customers who followed me for the past 12 years, no matter where I worked. And some of that has to do with what I do. Some of it has to do with how you act in front of them. And I think Jake's point is I have to pay my mortgage somehow. And if I don't jump on this bandwagon with everyone else, then they will have to go somewhere else because I will not know it. And, and I think what you find in this industry, if you've been around as, as, as long as someone like Jake has, is if he says he can do it, he probably can. It might take him a couple of weeks to get up there. But the risk is, is you know, the reason we've never really embraced SharePoint is, is is it's a margin game. A lot of the Indian outsource companies want to do it. You know, there's not really a lot of a lot of money to be made there. There's a lot of billable hours, but the billable hours have to have some, you know, some some meat behind them. Yeah, absolutely. They oh. tend to be quite large infrastructure migration projects, don't they? Rather than, yeah, it sounds like Jake's been doing quite a lot of bespoke development, relatively small projects, and I, I'm not sure that exists in the same way around SharePoint as it does around Domino. I think and, one and of I, the strengths of Domino has always been these situational apps, haven't they, where it's just a particular part of the business, needs something quickly, it's easy to knock up in Domino. I'm not sure SharePoint is, is the same kind of beast, really. And, and it's not. But, you know, going, going back to, to something I said last week, which was, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm technically a developer. And probably back in 2003, <laughs> 2003 2004, I, I, I made a distinct and decisive switch to, 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 to start to learn admin. And the reason was, is I kind of saw where it was going. If, if you, if you're, you bet on one horse and that horse is not even in the race, let alone running in the race, you, you've got a problem. And I think that's where a lot of these classic domino developers or Lotus Notes developers, you'll, you'll all see them saying, I, now I do Java. I now do SharePoint. I think that's just the, the, the state of, the, the union, if, if you want, but you can't blame anyone here except IBM. And, you know, last, last week was Google, the week before was Microsoft. I think this week IBM starts to get my 
irksome <laughs> retorts. Yeah. Uh, you know, but you, now, you Karen, look... before you, sorry, before you start beating up on IBM, you've got to take some accountability for your situation here too, because part of the reason that admin is such a good fit for you is because you can, you know, go someplace for a half day, fix the server, go someplace for a three day weekend, do an upgrade, and you can jump in and out of admin into sales support, into, you know, tech support here internally. You can jump in and out of admin a lot easier as a person running a company wearing multiple hats, then you can jump out of development. And part of the reason that we haven't chased the development work as hard is because you can't get left alone for, you know, 12 hours straight to be heads down, writing code and concentrate. So I think some of it is you've got other things going on that make admin a better fit for your day. And some of it is too that, you know, Darren, and this is one of his best qualities if you're one of his clients, but it's one of your his worst qualities if you're the person out selling the business, is he can take a, you know, $200,000 development project and turn it into, well, let me just do three things. And then if you want something else, call me in six months. And it's in the best interest of the client. But I think there's been a lot of what could have been giant, overblown, ridiculous, expensive development projects that you just fix three things and and sent them on their way. So I think some, some of it is your tendencies and the way our business is going versus just there's no development out there because there's been other companies with big presences in Atlanta that have been doing development during the time when you've been doing admin. And I don't think you're alone in, in what you've said, Lisa. I, I think, you know, I, I'm very much on the connections and sort of web sphere side of things these days. And, um, you know, what I see as being interested in my customers is, is making connections as easy to install and deploy and customize and integrate as we can make it. What's in the interest of my business is in terms of, as a partner, is in terms of making it complex and, you know, longer projects and longer development cycles and so on. And so I think sometimes what the partner community suggests is what it needs which is a very vibrant development and customization piece is not actually what we are encouraging ibm to develop in many ways by making the products easier to consume more ready for small medium business and so on so well, well, I, I, and, and, and that probably also kind of leads into volker's post of today at vo.net in terms of he, he's mentioned a quote of many business partners are developing an ex- exit strategy because they're not making so much money from domino based work as perhaps they were five or ten years ago and and this this goes back to where where is IBM Lotus fighting the war? And there, there was a response on 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 Val's original post by, by Sean Cole, who has voiced a long felt opinion in the community that why not just give a Domino server away for free with ten cows, and and just let have at it, you know, let the really small businesses get get a hold of this thing. And he mentioned it, and I've seen this in real life, is RIM did the same thing with, with Bears, probably starting three or four years ago. And they probably got, you know, hundreds of thousands of customers out it out, out of that. Because once you hit eleven, you have to pay. Yep. And and you know, you put some kind of limit on there. And maybe, maybe that's the way to go. And I don't necessarily think that was right that all partners are developing an exit strategy. I think what all partners are looking at is other streams of revenue, especially in this economy. Whether that means somebody else's software or somebody else's hardware 
it remains to be seen. But as, as a business partner and a business owner, I have to do whatever's in, best for my shareholders, in this case, me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I don't think we should be scared about saying that, you know, and, and I don't think IBM would expect us as partners to be 100% loyal to the point where we damage our own vi- you know, vibrant businesses to do that. You know, I, I think they do expect an element of loyalty, but at the same time, I think they're very realistic and pragmatic about the fact that um, partners will do SharePoint and Oracle and you know some of these other vendors that that are in competitive situations, because altogether it makes up a much better ecosystem if the partners do have some expertise outside the the Lotus sphere. And and I, I would agree with that to an extent. I have seen where we've had. Uh, a, a potential quicker deal that a, a partner that does both come in and the quicker deal was probably going to be somewhere in the region of $80,000 and it was in the other partner's best interest to sell them a quarter of a million dollar share point implementation which is what eventually happened. So IBM themselves, especially the direct sellers and, and the channels people, need to be cognizant of of who they're bringing in front of their clients. What, what is what is in What is in the partner's best interests and sometimes the partner's best interest is not IBM's. And I don't think IBM realizes the majority of the time, to be quite honest. Yeah, and we've made the business decision. We are very IBM loyal. We don't do SharePoint. The only thing I do with Google is search. Um, (laughs) And I think, you know, again, it probably depends on who in IBM you're talking to. Um, I think that they do care about that, but they care a lot more about who's having, helping them hit their quota. So if you're a big um, soulless corporation and you you know slog millions of dollars worth of IBM software, but your reps prefer Microsoft deals because they're bigger, then, well, IBM's got to be nice to you because they don't want to lose you completely to Microsoft and you're paying their quota and helping them keep their job. But they also don't appreciate it if you have anything Microsoft related on your materials, on your flyers. So I think they care, but they care more about paying their bills, which honestly is exactly what Jake was saying is, you know, yeah, I care, but I got to pay my bills. So let me give you some facts and figures here. So I went back and did some research and I started development in 3.3. So the last, if, if we just talk about four, five, six, and seven, and then eight, and we'll ignore 8.5 for now, but between four, five, when Lotus Script, well, four was Lotus Script, five was uh, the Domino web engine, HTTP was added in four, five. Between four, five, and R8 inclusive, there was almost no net new features in Domino Designer, with maybe the exception of Lotus script appearing in the client in either R5 or R6, web services in R7, and maybe some script library stuff. And if you look at that, that's that's 1996 through 2008, and there was almost no net new features added to, to designer. And it's it's almost now IBM have went back, added X pages. But if you if you read the posts around the web, especially for the independent guys, it looks like it may be too little, too late. I don't think it is, but um, that's what the, the the prevailing winds tell me right now. So, so you feeling that we're we're reaping what was sown effectively in you know in the ten years up to two thousand and eight? Absolutely. You know, I know Ed hates everyone talking about Garnet, but I think Garnet added a lot of despair to that. Um, you know, I think if 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 
Domino itself had morphed into a somewhat more easily developable, developable solution somewhat early, even 8.5, I think a lot of this would have been head off, head, you know, cut off at the pass. But there's also something else that a lot of people don't realize is it's not exactly cheap to, 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 to license an application to run on Domino. You know, you've got utility server, which if you're not in Express, and Express, at least in the US, and I think worldwide, is Express is for companies with more than a 1,000 employees, which is the majority under, of businesses. Un- sorry, under 1,000. Yes, Express is under. So utility itself, and, and my guess is the majority of IBM Lotus customers from Domino are probably above 1,000 users, is my guess. Yeah, I think you're right there. So for them to roll out an application and put that on the web and have their customers interact with it is absorbently expensive. You know, a Domino Utility Express server can cost 24, 48, 60 grand. The non-express. And yes, yeah, non-express. I'm getting confused here. A Domino Utility non-express server can cost, you know, 20 to 40 to 60 grand. And that's just the license. That's not the development cost. And and I think that needs to be addressed. Which when, uh, you, which when you compare it to you know Microsoft offerings, or probably more likely the Lamp stack, you know to um, to Linux and Apache and so on, it is is going to be vastly more expensive than the open source options, isn't it? And, and so I think what you're saying is that we, we really need a new licensing model that, that's kind of ready for cloud-based Domino hosting, if you like, to put these applications on. I think both in-house hosting, the license needs to be changed. So I can have someone come to my Domino-based web app and use it without putting me in the poor house. I, I feel really sorry for the hosting providers, the guys like Prominic in the US, who you know, are always treading the line of, of how do I license these. There's no real per month per user licensing for the hosting providers except for Lotus Live. You know, that kind of thing I think all needs to be addressed. And, you know, there's, there's been some math done by one of the guys at Prominic where I think he worked out that if you just charge $5 per user per month and you have something like 200 concurrent users, that's the same price as a utility server for a year. So I think IBM is, is looking at the big price ticket for utility and missing out the fact that if it went per user per month, for an in-house on-premise hosted solution off from a hosting provider, they could probably end up making a lot more money in the long run, and they just don't see that. Well, and Darren, I think it just goes back to the impression I get for IBM as a whole is that they never, like going back to the acquisition, they were like, oh, cool, we're going to acquire an email product. And I don't know that they ever, and when I say IBM, obviously there's a lot of individuals. So there's people inside of IBM that get, that it's the apps. I know Larry McCants always um, talks about that based out of Texas and the folks that are actually putting X pages into the product see it as a development platform. But the vast majority of the IBMers that I talk to, even within IBM, they see it as an email tool and they are only interested in selling net new licenses. The development doesn't help them keep their jobs for the most part, especially if the development is done by those of us in the partner community. So the people that are going into these big accounts and selling Lotus software don't have a whole lot of incentive to be talking about it as an application development platform and pushing it other than ISSL for the services piece. Most of those Lotus sellers are trying to make their quota and App dev, I don't know that it helps them very much, and I don't know that IBM has ever really gotten it. It goes back to the whole push 
for years in the partner community of an app store um, with the Lotus Live hosted notes. They're not wanting to host apps. They're just hosting email, at least at this point. So I, I don't know that IBM as a whole really gets the whole Lotus development scenario, and I don't know that it's something that they're actively pushing. I think you put your finger on it, Lisa. I, th- I think two things you just mentioned there really are come, you know, to the core of it. One is that I don't think IBM really understands the app development market, and particularly from a sales focus, that they're, as you say, they're always after making their number, which typically is a big passport advantage deal. Um, it's always about net new because that's what the salespeople get paid on. So consolidating a customer's licenses or, or getting more value out of the licenses they have by building new applications isn't something that's going to pay um, you know, the bonus or, or commission of, of a salesperson. Um, and, and secondly, on the, on the app, side and app hosting side i think again because the the way lotus live is sold currently is is in terms of making an annual renewal of your lotus live the per month you know incremental increase in lotus live hosting isn't something they can deal with you know that's why we don't have credit cards on the lotus live site for creating new lotus live accounts which is something we've all been asking for for ages it's because they just don't have that accounting mechanism and it's something that people like google do so much better because they're, they're starting afresh with their with their hosting environment it must be because passport advantage is such a good mechanism <laughs> oh easy well and i think it goes back to the focus of where they're selling if you're google you're you know it's really a consumer scenario of you know i'm a person and i want an email address and so i go out and i sign myself up and so of course they're going to be set up to do per month and credit cards and things like that whereas the ibm mindset is all about you know, I am a sales rep and I need to hit my quota and I have, you know, 10 giant corporations that I'm working with this year, you know, a giant corporation is not going to put 30,000 licenses on a credit card. So it's a total paradigm shift. And I, you know, IBM is really holding on to this belief that we don't do consumer stuff and we don't need to get into that mindset. And, I think it messes them up, especially with things like Lotus Live that would play well in small business. They just, you know, it's a, it's a paradigm shift for them and it makes their heads hurt. So looking at the positive then, what, what can IBM do at this stage to turn this um, sort of, you know, notes development is not dead, but is slowing down and we need to do something else. What, what can they do to change that around? Clearly X pages is a step in the right direction. What else can they do to, to try and begin the, the switch to more people developing or at least staying developing on, on the Domino and Notes platform? Two things. One is continue to make X pages good. It's, it's adequate right now. And as I mentioned last week, I think on the podcast, it's, it's a bit unin intuitive to use it's not it's not even though it's eclipse it's not very eclipsy yet um i think by far the the best thing they could do is add the ability for x pages to to get native access to non-native notes data so things like sql server oracle db2 if, if you could throw all of that data into an, an x page and you then also add on the, the lotus notes historic rapid application development you know, we can then go out and, and significantly spank the .NET and the Java developers all over the rooms in terms of how fast we can get these enterprise apps. The problem we have with, with X Pages right now is really it's, it's targeted at notes-only data. And 
you know, this is no shocker to anyone in, in the industry, but a lot of the data doesn't, doesn't live in notes anymore. So if we did them two things, I think we, 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 we open up a lot more. Uh, additionally to that, I'm going to harp on this for a while, but it, we need to change the licensing for applications. Um, you know, it is, it is a, it, it's, it's, it's a very cheap, I don't want to say cheap, it's a very value-oriented platform to develop applications on, provided you never want to run them in production. <laughs> Even more so, now you get Dominic Designer for free, of course. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and along those lines, there just needs to be, and this is not new, this was um, an idea that was talked about a lot during the Lotus Nose Idea Jam that they had, I guess, about a year ago, uh, as they were launching the Lotus Nose campaign, and that is we've got to do, well, IBM has to do a lot more outreach to the universities. Most computer science degrees are Microsoft tool degrees, and they may get into some open source and things like that, but in the universities, they're not talking about you know, Webster application server and domino development. And so all the young, cheap resources that are coming out of university have zero exposure to IBM. And, you know, for me, that works out great because that means I don't have to compete price-wise with somebody who doesn't have to pay a mortgage because they're living in their mom's basement. But for IBM long-term, it's a problem. They need to be doing outreach to those universities, getting those people familiar with those applications so that when they come out of school and get hired, they're accustomed to working with them versus, oh, where's Visual Studio? I think you're absolutely right. And, and you know, I, I probably like most people that blog, I have a lot of Google alerts that come in. And certainly anything to do with Google Apps tends to be, um, you know, at least one a week where a university will say we're completely moving to Google Apps or to Microsoft BPOS or something for our email. And so whilst email is different to app dev, for sure, I, th I think you see a big presence for Google and Microsoft in the universities. And I don't think IBM has that presence right now. So, well, so, re go on. Remember, Stuart, that I think it was in uh, beat up the developers that are... Uh, Lotus Some Somebody said, as far as university access for Lotus Notes goes, watch this space. And right now, this space in the last, what's that, five months has been crickets. Yeah. So I wonder if that died on the vine or whether they're still working on it. You know, but it was publicly mentioned, watch this space for university access for something. And I, I was thinking well, that it, was going to be Lotus Live, but who knows? Yeah, it goes back to, okay... I'm IBM, whose job is it to give stuff away for free? Nobody. You know, if I'm a sales rep, I'm not going to do it because I'm supposed to be calling on my 10 giant corporations and making my quota. If I'm a marketing person, I'm not going to do it because I have a very limited budget and people are giving me a hard time that I'm doing Lotus ads anyway and I'm, you know, trying to reach pace setters. I don't think it's anybody's job and i think that's part of the problem is everybody you know if you talk to ibm they're like yeah we need to do that <laughs> but i don't think it's it's in anybody's job description to do it and so it's you know it's kind of like the user groups where they're like yeah we need to do something about that but until you're willing to put resources behind a good idea it's it's just an idea so, so wrapping this up, you mentioned a little bit earlier on the App Store. Do we think the App Store would make a big difference to people developing for, for the Domino platform? 
No. Lisa? Um, let's go back and ask Darren why he said no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think it's the same reason why a BlackBerry attached to a Bez really doesn't need an app store. Um, because you me, need me, the corporate control. Yes. You know, do I really want someone downloading a, an app and installing it on a Notes client or a Domino server unsigned with complete rights to do anything I want on the server? Uh, you know, not, not really. And, 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 you know, one of the problems with, with, with Domino is how do I get an application installed if I just want to use it? Uh, you know, I think Eric Mack is probably a very good person to talk to about that. Because you know his e-productivity template, they have very detailed instructions on on how to do this, and the mail templates may be a different one because most people have manager access to the mail templates even today. So you can do that in a mail template, but any other server, the majority of the servers are locked down. So I think you might have an app store and you might get a lot of purchases, but I think you'll also get a lot of refunds once they realize their admins won't let them bond the server. Well, and maybe we don't call it an app store, but maybe it's an app catalog. So you do some screenshots, you print it out, you put it in a binder and you show it to people. I think there is some value in people seeing that, hey, if I get this application platform, there's things that are available for free and there are things that are available for an additional charge. I think there would be some value in it. But again, who's going to present that? Because if I'm an IBM sales rep, unless there's a specific app in there that helps address a client need and helps me close the sale, who cares? And honestly, I, I don't know how much they're focused on selling Notes Domino in general. I think they're you know, much more excited about talking about Lotus Lab and some other things that are newer. I think they've uh, been beat up a long time on the whole email conversation and a lot of them are just over it. So I, I don't know what the answer is, but, you know, again, it's it's definitely something that IBM needs to address and they need to take seriously. Otherwise, it, it is going to continue to hurt the community as a whole. Okay, well, let's move on then to, to something else that was in the news this week, which is a new beta of um, Lotus Symphony 3, which came out this week. So it's now on beta 3. Um, I've, I've blogged about it a couple of times and a number of other people like John Head have too. Um, there's certainly a, a big performance speed improvement. So um, I don't know whether any of you guys have downloaded that and tried it yet. Not beta free yet. Um, a bit of background actually is worth saying is, is STS. We've been using open office as our primary office suite for five years. Interesting. Um, so yeah, I mean, and, and we're not the only one. I've got a couple of clients who did that long before we got involved with a client the two clients I'm thinking of specifically because of that. And it was, it was good to see Symphony come out. I, I think it was a bit of a mistake building it the way they did, which was on the open office 1.1 stack. Cause we tried it. It broke a lot of our custom code cause we've been in an open office three and we've only just starting to put a tour back in now that Symphony three is coming back out. So I, I haven't yet installed beta three, but beta two is that was pretty nice as well. I, I could use that full time. 
Well, Beta 3 is obviously just building towards um, release of, of Symphony 3. And as you say, it's built on, on OpenOffice 3. People that have used OpenOffice, I, I think, from the reviews I've seen, get Symphony 3 in in a way they didn't with Symphony 1 because, as you say, they, they felt like it was stepping back five years in time, uh, where Symphony 3 is very much more up-to-date and, and very much more comparable to Microsoft Office. I think what, what I found interesting about the beta for Symphony 3 is, and I, again, I blogged about this earlier in the week on the Collaboration Matters blog, is in terms of um, some of the integration they've done with Lotus Live. So there's now a plug-in that sits in the sidebar for Symphony that allows you to upload and download files directly from Lotus Live files. Um, and, and that, for me, is, is almost the first time IBM has delivered on this click-to-cloud model of integrating cloud and on-premise applications. And so I think that's a good step towards you know the vision that is things like Vulkan and so on in the future in terms of that merging of those two different environments. It would be nice if they added that to Quicker as well. Absolutely right. I mean, there is a Quicker connector for Symfony, but the difference with the Lotus Live one is is that it's front and centre on on the symphony page um that there's actually a link which again i blogged about in in the um, menus for symphony where you can just click and say um go find plugins and it's such a, a better model than the one in lotus notes at the moment again which maybe harks back to what you were saying darren about the control that admins want to put over their environment would we want lotus notes customers going out and just downloading plugins but for sure on symphony because it's a much more consumer focused product that works great. You just click to download the plugin, click to install it, a couple of screens where you say, yeah, accept terms and conditions, and it's on your environment. Yeah, I, I, as, as as an administrator, I probably would not want that in my environment, mainly because, at least right now, there is really no security around plugins inside of Notes. You know, now Nathan's blogged on this quite a few times, so if anyone's interested, go, go, go look at Nathan's blog where effectively once a plugin is installed in Notes, it gets effectively carte blanche access to everything. So there's no, there's no ECL, there's no execution control list yet around that model. And I think that's what makes it difficult in the Notes world is it's, it's all security from day one. And if it's not secure, I don't want to know about it. How, how do you guys see the future of Symphony? I mean, we've had it for, what, three years now? Um, I, I think it's, it's made inroads, but do you, do you see it as being a a good thing for IBM to continue with in terms of, of leading on to people having other Lotus products or, or at least being aware of, of what Lotus is doing? It's, it's a good marketing strategy. Like you said, right? the name is out there. You know, go download Lotus Symphony. It's free, blah, 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 blah. A lot of people who, who know about Symphony didn't know about OpenOffice. So I think it is useful in that respect. Would, do we really see any organizations moving wholesale to Lotus Symphony right now? No, because honestly, Lotus Symphony 1 was, you know, between you, me and the wall, was a piece of junk. It was just unusable. Uh, Symphony 3, I think, could do that. But with Microsoft coming out with the quote-unquote free office, you know, the, the really, really cut-down one that has like a spreadsheet and a word processor, that's obviously Microsoft's defensive strategy is, well look, we can also do the free stuff. So I think it's going to be a battle of how much functionality is in there and is it going to be worth IBM's time and effort to, to throw money into this pit when there's no real light at the end of a tunnel and, and I don't know the answer to that. I don't know, Darren. I, <laughs> not surprisingly, I disagree. As a sales rep, 
I think it's a great tool to have for overcoming objections because anything Lotus that I want to sell, if somebody says, oh, yeah, that's really shiny and it would be great, but we don't have any budget for it, well, how about we look at that budget for what you're spending right now for Microsoft Office? And, you know, granted, maybe people are not going to go drop their office licenses, but it makes them kind of – they can't use that as a crutch anymore that, oh, there's no budget. They have to actually kind of take a step back and think about things differently. So I think it's cool, and I think probably the best thing – I have to compliment whatever graphic designer put together the little click-to-cloud graphic that Stuart has on – his blog because it is one of the few graphics that actually explains pretty well what it is. They've got all of the <laughs> Lotus products inside what I guess is a golden firewall. And then they have everything sort of jumping out to the Lotus live icon. So that is awesome. Whoever did I, that I, actually understood the idea. I, I do have a counterpoint to the office thing though. And this is, this is kind of where this whole, get rid of your office licenses may, may fall foul is uh, the, the fact of the matter is, is most organizations have some, some piece of SharePoint and SharePoint is so irre- irrevocably tied. Try saying that after four Guinnesses, irrevocably tied <laughs> to, to, to the Microsoft office product line, especially in 2007 and, and, and now in 2010, you can't get rid of office. This is the genius that Microsoft have done. I've done a whole smoke and mirrors on, 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 on the organizations and to all intents and purposes, you cannot now get rid of office if you have even a smidgen of SharePoint. And, well, I think and, the answer to that is don't have any SharePoint. Well, <laughs> that ship sailed. Yeah. Sorry, Stuart. No, and I, I, I think you're right. I, I must say, I, I find more customers that don't have SharePoint than perhaps is the perception in the community, I think it's very often it's 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 a classic, you know. All my users use Outlook at home. Comment, you know, it's, it's that there's an assumption that that an executive can make that everybody does this, and I I think some some customers say, well, everybody is going SharePoint, and actually, if you get down to it, maybe just one tiny department is is deployed at whatever in, in a, somewhere in the organization, but very few customers I speak to actually have deployed SharePoint in a big way. It's it's more a weapon they can beat you with rather than it being a reality that it's out there and everywhere. But maybe it's different in the States, I don't know. No, and I think you're exactly right, but that's also how notes got in. Yeah, this is true. Well, and this has been a couple of years ago, but Darren and I were out um, meeting with someone at Coke maybe two years ago, and they said, yeah, we had this thing called SharePoint, and they brought up the browser and showed us what looked like somebody had pretty much put the disks in the machine and installed it and done nothing else <laughs> to it. And they said, and we're supposed to use this for everything. And then she goes, but, and pulled up her notes client and says, this is where I do all my day-to-day work. So I don't know how that's changed over time, but I, I do think sometimes what people are using to do their job on a day-to-day basis versus what people are saying, you know, Somebody said I should be using this other thing, but really all my data is in notes. I think there is some where Microsoft puts out the press release and declares victory, but realistically on a day-to-day basis, most of the users are spending their day in notes to this and, still to this day. And just to clarify, that was Coca-Cola Enterprises, not the yep. Coca-Cola company. Yeah, and that was probably two years ago, so it may have changed. I've not been out there recently, but it, it was pretty humorous at the time. Here's the thing I'm supposed to use, but I never use it. And then here's all my notes apps. And I, I think that's that's the case. And and I, 
I'm pleased that Ed keeps on taking the battle to some of those Microsoft references where they are, um, you know, where they have stated very clearly that an organisation has shifted to Microsoft when actually they may one day get there, but for sure it's taken them a very long time to do that. So that brings us on to, to marketing in some ways, and Lotus Nose has had a few um, things in the news this week. Uh, one, one is that obviously the World Cup starts today. They're doing quite a lot of work out there. I'm still waiting to see some coverage from um, the World Cup where we see a Lotus Nose ad. I look forward to that. Um, but there's also a new blog that was announced this week. Darren, you mentioned you got an email about it? I, I did. I was shocked. Um <laughs> Somebody from IBM or maybe the company running it for IBM, I'm not quite sure who it came from, someone called Text 100 or something like that. But I got an email telling me, hey, there's a new Lotus Notes blog, and the first blog posting was was Alistair Rennie. So I, I, I quickly fired that up, and sure enough, it was a blog posting by a gentleman called Alistair Rennie. It was somewhat short, uh, but it's good to see you know, that, that kind of stuff kicking off. Um, it, it is in connections and it is an external site, so you do need to create an ID to have a comment. All of this is not – if anyone follows my blog, they know I've already bitched about this. Um, but it is kind of good to see, and it was good that I even found out about it without being told about it on Planet Lotus. So that's a good sign too. Absolutely right. And they've done quite a good job of theming it too. It's got all the latest news graphics at the top. So good effort, and I think it's great that Alistair has started blogging. I just hope he continues for longer than perhaps um, – Mr. Rodin did a few years ago. So, so <laughs> yeah, I, sh- I shouldn't have mentioned that, but there we go. Now that you've brought it up, if you want a good laugh, go to MikeRodin.com and see how what a good job he's done maintaining that blog. Is it still there? Um, after a fashion. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. We will move on at that stage. I think it's good. That, good they've got the blog, and let's let's just see where that one goes. I think that's great. Um, and then uh, the the next thing we were going to discuss was around the Lotus community in terms of how to find the Lotus community. I know that um, that Rocky put together a post a while ago in terms of how to find um, the community and so on. Is that something you can cover, down? What, what was your point to, to bring that up? That would be Lisa. Lisa. Yep, absolutely. Well, one thing that we see a lot is because the Lotus community Lotus has been around for quite a while and there is a very tight knit community and a lot of us know each other and you know, see each other at Lotusphere and talk to each other throughout the year. I think sometimes we tend to forget that there are people who should be part of the community and don't know about what's going on. So if you are a Domino admin, a Domino developer, IT manager, or just a Lotus groupie like I am, and you are new to what's going on in the Lotus community, I wanted to take the opportunity to highlight some of the things that are going on. Rocky Oliver did a presentation at the Chattanooga Lotus Users Group, which is in Tennessee, for those of you that are um, overseas, Um, Chattanooga, Tennessee, and he posted on how to find the Lotus community. And believe it or not, when we go out and talk to clients, a lot of times they don't know about Planet Lotus, and so they're not reading the blogs. They're not aware of how much is out there, honestly, for free. And so if you – I imagine this will be in the show notes, but if you go to quicker02.simplified-tech.com, you'll be able to see the quicker place for the Chattanooga Lotus Users Group. And we've posted his slides, and those are worth going through to see some of the IBM resources that are available different blogs and um, other things in the community that are out there. 
And of course, the obvious one is planetlotus.org, which everybody that knows about it knows it's a great place to see what's going on with all the blogs in the Lotus community. But they also have podcasts listed. Um, I know This Week in Lotus is listed, a lot of other podcasts that are being done in the Lotus community, and they also have event postings. And I know anytime we do something here in the southeastern U.S., we post what we have going on. We also post webinars when we do those from time to time. So there's a lot of good event listings for things that are happening um, out in the real world. Um, along those lines, you can find the Lotus user groups either through the event posting on planetlotus.org or um, there's a website, lotususergroup.org, and that has a lot of postings of the various user groups, events that are going on. I know they have podcasts and a blog out there, too. And LinkedIn, we also see a lot of Lotus communities being formed out on LinkedIn. Here in the southeast, the Atlanta Lotus user group, Chattanooga user group, um, Lugnet, which is the Lotus User Group of Nashville and Upper Tennessee, they're a new user group that are just now forming up in Nashville, Tennessee. They have a LinkedIn group, the Greenville, South Carolina Lotus User Group that STS has been involved in, um, has a new group out there, and um, also the Nerd Girls. So if you, as I guess the first ever female guest on uh, this week in Lotus, I want to be sure and point out, if you are a woman in technology, especially in Lotus, the Nerd Girls group out on LinkedIn is a great way to find other people who do what you do for a living and connect with those folks. Darren, anything that I'm leaving out as far as other ways to connect with the broader Lotus community? I, I don't think so. It does always shock me. I, I do a lot of proof of technologies, which is just IBM for free training. Um, <laughs> I, do, I do a lot of these, and it always amazes me that any company over 50 people they generally don't know about Planet Lotus. <laughs> they don't know about Planet Lotus. They don't know about Lotus Nose. Uh, you know, so it's it's kind of one of them chicken and the egg. If you don't know about Planet Lotus, how do you find out about Planet Lotus? Uh, and and I think we all need to get in a bar one time at Lotus Sphere or I I look or somewhere like that and come out with a a way to get the 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 people who don't know about the community to find the community. I would just echo what you're saying. I think you know every customer I speak to, there will be people there that work full time with Lotus products that don't know about these these resources. Um, I, Absolutely. I think a couple of years ago, John Head I think led an effort to put together a sort of four or five slides that everybody could put at the back of their slide decks that said about Planet Lotus and about some of the user groups and about um, Idea Jam and so on. And I think maybe it might be time to to bring that back to life. Again again in terms of updating it with the latest content so that everybody can just again at the end of a presentation when you're doing Q&A just put up a list of resources that, that people should know about. Absolutely and if you're not following Planet Lotus then you're really out of the loop to be honest you know there's and this goes back to really Val's um, post about well there's IBMers and partners at DNUG but there's not any customers and I wasn't involved with marketing the event. I don't know what kind of outreach they did, but it may be as simple as they told everybody about DNUG on Planet Lotus, and if you're a customer and you're not reading Planet Lotus, you didn't know about it, so you didn't go. <laughs> it may not be anything more sinister than that. So, you know, there's a lot of free information, a lot of educational events, and you've really got to keep up with what's going on with Planet Lotus if you want to be part of the, the club. 
And speaking of Planet Lotus, Stuart, have you changed your tune yet or not? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe that was on our list of topics to discuss. <laughs> And moving right along. <laughs> no, I'm back on Planet Lotus. I had a uh, a large post bag, if you like, of requests from people to go back on Planet Lotus. Um, not to be big-headed about it or anything, but just that people um, wanted to find my posts on there. They, they said that was the place they went to each week. That was the place they went to to find blog posts. They didn't want to have to go into their feed reader and add, add other feeds. That was where they wanted them to be. So um, back on Planet Lotus, and uh, we'll see how that goes from there. So, um, I can feel it. I can feel it all just sort of coming on. <laughs> I think you might. Well, and, and to stick up for Stuart, Stuart, you're right. Sometimes, because it is a tight-knit community, and, you know, everybody reads everybody else's blog. Sometimes there is a tendency to, you know, let me say something inflammatory so that I get a lot of click-throughs and I get a lot of attention and everybody's talking about me. Or sometimes people are just really wrestling with things. And because they're the kind of people that post everything on a blog, they post stuff out there that's not necessarily in the best interest of the community. You talking so, about me? <laughs> Not specifically, but uh, just watch yourself there. But, you know, so I do think there is a tendency to have, you know, after I've told everybody to go to Planet Lotus, now I'm going to pick on it a little bit. There is a little bit of navel gazing of, you know, here's what's going on with me and the other five people whose blogs I follow. But, um, I, you know, I think we need to put more emphasis on taking the community that we have and doing outreach versus just trying to um, – inflame and excite each other and I think if we put you know half as much energy into reaching out to other people that would be interested in what we're doing as we did into um, getting each other worked up we'd all we'd all be able to to hit those targets that Radicati has put out there for us. Here, here, Lisa I think that's great and I, th I think it's important to remember that we're that Planet Lotus is our shop window as a community you know this is how people outside will perceive the Lotus community to be and I think some days it's not necessarily a good shop window for us because it shows us in a very bad light and I think it's important for us all to remember when we go to hit post on our blogs that we do remember that or tweets or tweets indeed <laughs> indeed um okay a couple of very quick things to finish up with um a couple of things that happened this week iPhone 4 good bad or indifferent I never had an iPhone 1 2 or 3 so right now indifferent I want an iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> but what I have found, believe it or not, doing what I do for a living, I'm not very good with technology. So unless Darren's excited about something and is willing to fix it when I break it, I have decided it's really not worth getting it. But I and and you know and I'm not a big fan of AT and T because they're so overloaded and they're charging for data but sorry go ahead Stuart no I was just saying that's why an iPhone would be perfect for you speaking as an iPhone user because you can't break them and you can't do anything oh. that could break them it just works so little do you know <laughs> so are you saying if I get an iPhone you'll help fix it when I break it oh go on then <laughs> okay next one the Google homepage changed yesterday I don't know whether you spotted this but you went to your, your lovely plain white you know, some people criticise Google's design, all right, but it is how it is, and it's been like it for years. And suddenly, there were graphical images behind. Did you spot those? I uh, I did, and you could even upload your own, right? You for could. a while. Yeah. So, uh, while I do like to look at myself a lot, <laughs> um, that aside, 
I, I think that the minimalistic approach for a search bar is really where the world wants search. And I think that's one of the things that eventually killed Yahoo was allowing you to do other stuff and just put something in a search bar. Indeed. And I think today it's gone back to being white again, but you can still access those images if you want to put them on your own homepage. So I think probably that's the way they should have launched it rather than just on an unsuspecting world, putting water lilies in the background or whatever it was. (laughs) Okay, so I think we've exhausted our list of news for this week. So as is usual on This Week and Latest, we're going to finish with a tip each. So Darren, do you want to lead the way? What's your tip for this week? Um, Yes, so... The 16th of June, which I believe might be this coming Tuesday. The 15th. Um, I'm, I'm actually the 15th. holding... Yeah, the 15th. The 15th. I'm ho- <laughs> the 15th. I am actually hosting a webinar on Domino on VMware. I've done a lot of presentations lately on this and, I, and a couple of white papers. So it was time to uh, get that out there on the web. And we're having the webinar. It's a Q&A session about virtualization on, on Domino, specifically VMware, but whatever I say for VMware usually holds true for Hyper-V. And that's on, like I said, the 15th of June, Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern. And I think you have to email info at simplified-tech.com to register. And if you don't understand my accent, because I am partially American and partially English and partially Irish and partially Scottish, then... <laughs> It's linked out on Planet Lotus on the event site. And we'll put it in the show notes too. Okay. Lisa, do you have a tip for us? Absolutely. Um, www.tipsin2, and that's spelled out, so T-I-P-S-I-N-T-W-O.com. This is a site that we at STS have put together um, for users, short little YouTube videos that show them how to use the various Lotus products. Um, I'm very used to them. I don't find them especially difficult, but if you are converting from something else or maybe new to quicker, new to connections, we've got some basic tips on how to do things out there. And again, for the folks that are listening to this podcast, you're probably a developer, an admin, a consultant, and you know everything that's on there, which is great. So give it to your users. If it's you know, 4.30 on a Friday afternoon and they come and bug you and complain about the fact that they never got any training on Lotus, you can send them out there and make your escape while they are looking at the videos. And uh, hopefully by the time they come back to you with more questions, um, you'll be done with World Cup and, and more available to help them out. So tipsin2.com is my tip. Awesome. Thank you very much. And finally, my tip Um a lot of you will have your own blogs, your own websites. That's probably uh, you know partially what you do with Domino. Um, and, of course, analytics is a great way of finding out who is visiting your website, how many people are visiting, what pages they like, and so on. Um, the default seems to be to use Google Analytics. It's pretty good. It does the job, um, and Google are, are better at these things than most companies are in terms of making it easy to use. However, I don't. I use something called Woopra which is spelled W-O-O-P-R-A. And if you go to Woopra.com, you can sign up for free. And the nice thing about Rupert is there is a um, downloadable client. And what that gives you on Windows, Mac and Linux is basically a direct interface into your stats in real time. So you can see who is on your site at this very moment. You can see where they're from, what browser they're using, where they came from. And um, if all other things line up, you can also start a chat with them if you so wish. So obviously that's more on the e-commerce side probably than the blog, but that, that option is open to you. And it's free unless you have a very busy website 
which case you can pay to get a relatively cheap access to a, a higher bandwidth version. So um, if, if you're looking for analytics, uh, looking for something a bit different to Google Analytics, then give Woopra a try. And again, we'll put a link in the show notes to that. So that's my tip for this week. So um, to finish off, guys, if you can just tell us, how do people get hold of you? Dan, Hi, Alisa. Leaders? Through Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on, only Lisa. If, if you want Darren to respond, copy me on the email. Maybe that should have been my tip of the week. Um, I'm at lisa.duke at simplified-tech.com. And I am also on Twitter, just at Lisa Duke, L-I-S-A-D-U-K-E. Brilliant. And go on, Darren, just in case people want to bypass Lisa and go straight to you. <laughs> Darren Duke, D-A-R-R-E-N-D-U-K-E on Twitter. Brilliant. And I'm Stuart McIntyre. Um, I'm at Stuart McIntyre on Twitter. Uh, just search me on Google. I'm sure you'll find all the rest of my details. So thank you so much for listening. Um, this was This Week in Lotus. Thank you so much to our guests for taking part. And we'll be back again next Friday. So bye for now. All opinions expressed during this podcast are those of the participants only and do not necessarily represent those of their employer. This Week in Lotus is sponsored by Moo.com. For business cards that really make you stand out, you need Moo. For more information to get your 10% discount, go to thisweekinlotus.com slash moo.